Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And you're joining us today for the next installment of our sixth season here at The Well, Worthy of Honor, where we are highlighting awesome women in the Bible to learn all that we can from their stories. And as you know, for every episode this season, we will be joined by a different awesome woman who is currently at work building the kingdom of God. This week's guest is a mother of three. Her husband is an Anglican priest, and she is currently working for an organization that we all have a lot of familiarity and fondness for, University Christian Outreach. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, she bears and he bears. Our guest for this week is Miss Stephanie Wolpe. Steph, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I am just so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. We... Yeah, we've been, Eli's got the celebration emoji on Zoom. Like it's, it is a party here. We've been excited to do this season for a while, but very excited to have you on because you are a good friend of all of ours outside of our work here at The Well. You've known most of us since we were young men before we were old and graying and all that. <laughs> yes, I, I knew Jarrell and Charles as college freshmen back in the, uh, the great faraway country of, of Michigan. Eli, you and I met later. I don't quite remember when, but I know it was several years after that. Um, Some kind of retreat, right? Something like that. Yeah, sure. When in doubt, say it was a retreat. <laughs> <laughs> Just the in passing, like meeting of people in different Christian communities were like, I, I know I haven't like met you, met you, but I've met you at some point. There you go. There it is. Right, well, we are so excited to have you on stuff and excited to get your thoughts and feedback on all things pertaining to scripture, women in scripture and ministry. But before we do that, first things first, we got to start with our question of the week. So if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during the segment, you can email us at three guys at the well. That's no, no, blah, at three guys at the well at gmail.com. I think that's a first of me messing that part up. That's the number three, then guys at the well, all one word in lowercase at gmail.com. And our question for today is, you know, we're in summer or getting out of summer by the time this episode comes out. What are you currently reading or what is something that you would like to be reading or is on your list at the moment? So I am currently reading the third book in the Dune series, um, which is generally regarded as one of the best scientific science, science fiction novels of all time. Uh, the first one, Dune. This, the third one's called Children of Dune. So I've been making my way through that series, um, and that was precipitated by the Dune movie that's coming out later in October, I believe. So that is what I'm reading right now. Are you a sci-fi guy in general, Charles? Uh, in terms of uh, reading, yeah, generally. I like Ender's Game is a fantastic book. Um, I, do, I do enjoy reading sci science fiction. This is good. I'm already learning things from you guys. Right now, I am reading Seven Myths or Seven Myths of Singleness by Sam Albury. It's a book sort of debunking the nonsense that are that's taken on um, in both Christian and non-Christian circles regarding single life. Tell tell us how you really feel, Eli. Get get in there. <laughs> Might be a Patreon episode right there. Sure, we'll make it a rant or a sound check. Eli rants. <laughs> Right now, I am similar to Charles. I'm venturing into sci-fi. I'm reading The Martian. 
so it's unfortunately yes. it's already yeah, it's good man excellent really good so uh, it was a it was a movie a couple years ago with matt damon which is a very also good movie. so good very good movie if you haven't seen it see it it's probably on some streaming service that's taking over our lives but you should go see it um but the book is very very good it's just about a guy who it gets trapped on mars and has to survive and that sounds boring but it is written exceptionally well and goes through just like what he's thinking and people back on earth and everything it's very very good i'm enjoying it a lot fun fact are any are any of you into the expanse on prime who have heard of it okay Super intense, really good, really good sci-fi show. Ben and I are really into it. That apparently, I found out a while ago, takes in it takes place in this in continuity with The Martian. They're in the same universe. I I know. Ooh. Okay, there's mind blown faces. This is good. I'm teaching you things. Yes. This is why we 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 have guests on to bolster our sci-fi knowledge and you know talk about the Bible when there's time. <laughs> well, there's apparently there is a there is some some ship in the University of the Expanse that's named after, um, what's the main character in The Martian? Mark Watney? Watney, there we go. Yeah, it's named the Mark Watney. And <sighs> it does something important that I don't remember. Oh, we don't have Prime. I'll have to find someone who does so that I can watch. <laughs> I have Prime. I can give you my Prime code. You're a gentleman and a scholar, Eli. Thank you. Is that you read anything these days? I am. I'm bouncing forth, back and forth between two. Um, Harry Potter. Mm. I've made it to book seven. Mm. This is good. I, I'm kind of on this in this thing right now of like, I'll put it down for three or four weeks and then binge on it and like finish it past my bedtime and stuff. So I, I think I'm I'm feeling kind of another another Harry Potter binge coming up in the next few days where I finally like dive in. So I'm, I'm like a chapter and a half in right now. So barely mm. counts. So that, and then um, I've also started reading a book uh, called Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren. Um, she she um, was known a couple years ago for Liturgy of the Ordinary, which is another fantastic book. Um, but Prayer in the Night, um, I'm so I'm Anglican and I uh, our tradition has a lot of liturgy. And um, for me as a young mom, that's just been a, a gift right now to uh, for the church to say, here, have some have some words to pray when you can't come up with any of your own. And that's more a story for another day, but that's been a lot of my story lately. And um, and so it's it's diving into that in in um kind of some of her story and liturgy and how it blesses us and how how liturgy both helps us enter the pr- presence of the Lord as well as forms us and teaches us how to pray better. So yeah, it's a good time. Ooh, that's wonderful. I'm writing that down as well. So you're teaching us all kinds of things. <laughs> I just hope we're not peaking too soon, guys. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> dangerous. Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I hope we hope you all saved your best stuff for after this moment. Because <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna transition into yeah, a bit of the theme of kind of where this this season came from and then into the passage. So I wanna read briefly from 2 Timothy 3. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so that's a bit of like what we want, as we've said uh, before, or we want this podcast to be something that is equipping um, us and our listeners for righteousness and every good work. And that means taking scripture seriously and digging into it, even the parts of it that 
are often overlooked or under highlighted as it were. And so out of that theme, I think it was our holy and, and bougie compatriot Eli who pointed this out um, over a year ago of wanting to highlight, particularly women in scripture, because like as three men, you know, we're used to like seeing all these guys held up as either heroes or villains in scripture and like seeing it from our point of view, it's easy to relate to. But given that all scripture is God breathed and is good for these things, and given that God reveals himself through the character of man and through the character of women in very unique and beautiful ways, um, this season came out of wanting to intentionally do that and grow in that perspective for our knowledge of scripture, but also as people who have been and are involved in ministry and want to build the kingdom of God on earth today, just in how we do that. And so, Steph, we wanted to ask you, in your experience as someone who is currently involved in campus ministry and has been for some time, what aspects of Christian womanhood have you seen that aren't seen well or understood? Yeah, that's a that's a super good question. And I, when you, when I was thinking about it in advance of this, um, I actually got kind of hung up on it. Of like, I was kind of thinking too hard about it. It's like, ah, oh, I must find the thing. And I, I realized that the question, it's like the formatting of the question itself actually led me to, to my answer. And um, I think in order to talk about womanhood well, I think that's probably true for talking about uh, about men too. But um, we're not a monolith. Like there, women are very, very, very different from one another. And, you know, there may be, there may be a set of norms for behaviors or personality or whatever the thing is, but there's a huge amount of variety and yet the Lord has, has made us to be women. And so I think um, certainly my experience of kind of growing into my womanhood is needing to be able to, it's been really important for me to hold on to both of those things at the same time. On the one hand, the Lord has made me a woman and like the Lord does nothing, does nothing without purpose, does nothing without um, intentionality. And so womanhood joins me with my sisters. It brings me into the image of God in a particular way. It's not just incidental. It's not just like a, a body that I live in. And then, you know, myself, it's like, it's not just the, sh it's just not just my shell, but it's actually part of who I am. Um, and that's something that I share with, with other women in, in history across the globe. And that's a beautiful thing as well as at the same time, every woman is different. And so kind of, because I think my experience and the experience of a lot of the women I've worked with is that when we start talking about womanhood, it can get scary pretty fast because it can feel like, okay, like what template are you, are you trying to force me into today of like, what, you know, how do I have to change my personality? How do I have to change, you know, some part of it? It's like, that's not, that's not God. Like that's not that there's not just one woman that we are all striving to be. Um, I could get on a soapbox about this for a while. So I'm going to try to like, oh, okay. All right. Stir in the pot. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for that validation guys. Um, they're all giving me encouraging facial expressions. It's really lovely. Um, yeah, but we serve, we serve an infinitely creative and beautiful God of like, he can, he can handle variety. He's given us variety and he's, he's made every single one of us different. And even if, so like, even if you had the exact same story and you stuck like a bunch of different women kind of through that same series of events, we'd all respond differently, have different experiences because we're different women. And that's a good and beautiful thing that, that honors the Lord as well as I think a lot of the things that we talk about with, 
I mean, with Christian character in general, is that it's important to remember that character is different from personality. And so I think, cause that can be a huge stumbling block for a lot of us as well. It's like, well, you know, we're called to gentleness. Yes, we are all called to gentleness. And the Lord is, the Lord is kicking my butt on that one. And, you know, gentleness and meekness and patience, but that doesn't mean that my gentleness and meekness and patience looks the same as any other Christians, much less any other, every other woman's. But it also, that doesn't give me, um, that doesn't give me a free pass to like not deal with it. It's like, well, just my personality is not, is not gentle. It's like, well, actually the universality of the Lord and of character, that has something to say to me. And I, and I need to submit to that word from scripture. That's like, actually, this is a calling to every, every Christian. Um, and yet at the same time, have confidence that the Lord has made me, named me, given me a particular vocation that overlaps with other, in this context, women in the world, but it's not the exact same as every other woman that I've ever met. Um, so those two things have been really important for me in, in my story as, as a woman and helping other women grow in womanhood and saying like the, your identity as a woman matters. God has given that to you. He has invited you into that. There's something to grow into um, that he has for us as women. And yet we need to have total confidence in the Lord's creative goodness that like he knows you, he made you, he made you the woman that you are and he's not calling you to live somebody else's life. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my thought on that. Preach on them. Woo! Cooking. Cooking. Oh, no. It's all downhill from here, guys. I was typing frantically. I got notes. I was writing. <laughs> Honestly, Steph, you could just give us your thoughts on Hannah. We don't have to, we don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to say anything. <laughs> And that would defeat the whole point. That would defeat the point of Bible study. It's meant to be done in community and with other <laughs> no, Christians. So. Selfishly, though, we just wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here to learn things today, too, guys. So That's help me true. out here. True. true. No, Jenny, thank you for that. I. Yeah, as you were soapboxing, I was thinking of a similar soapbox I've had around just like how sometimes a church tries to reach men and women respectively. And I'm sure I've ranted about this to some of you at some point, if not, Sandy's heard it. Um, but just kind of, do we minister to people? Like you said, I thought you said very, very well, like there are certain virtues and like character about God that we should embody and we can't get out from that. Um, but do we minister to people and their personalities in a way that suggests, that says like, well, because you are a woman, you are a man, you have to be enough of a stereotype for me to know what to do with you. And if not, uh, um, and I think that, yeah, that really spoke to me in like some generalizations I've seen at times and just uh, getting to the heart of the dignity and the value and like the worth that God has in creation to make us a part of something, but also uniquely uh, and individually and creatively us and applying that to how we see people and how we uh, do ministry to, to women and for men. That's oof write one more thing down if anything everyone has anything to say before we go into the passage well no I, I was just gonna just gonna say like it makes me it makes me so sad when we feel like we have to pick one or the other like mm. we either we either celebrate manhood and womanhood and you know speak to men speak to women um kind of at the expense of god's creative goodness and and variety mm. or like we're i think sometimes we can react so strongly against against stereotyping against boxes 
that we then it's so easy to let go to like to um accidentally or on purpose let go of our manhood or our womanhood and just never speak to that at all Mm. um it's like well we've we've gotta we've gotta do better than that because i think the lord has done better for than that on our behalf um yeah and so like often i mean whether it's because of our denomination or our generation or insert insert category insert box here category here like kind of that that may nudge us towards one temptation or the other like we may gravitate towards one towards kind of protecting or reacting against one more than the other but we've got to do both and it just Mm. it makes me sad when we lose the beauty of either one um because god god gives us both amen i'm i'm still reacting to and rereading um what you said, womanhood, it's not just a part of my shell, it's a part of who I am. Like it lends itself to um, who you've become right now. Um, and I, I think American culture, for me at least, has given me so much to navigate around what masculinity is and it's made it such a chore. Um, yeah, I totally resonate with so much of what you said. Um, even as a man, I'm so happy that you articulated it so beautifully. Thank you, staff. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for letting me share and letting me letting me soapbox to my heart's content. Yeah, do it. This is the place. We are all about soapboxes here at the well. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you so much for your insight on that. And so we're going to transition from there into our character study of a particular woman in the Bible. This is Hannah. So she is the mother of Samuel. Um, I'm going to start reading the passage now. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Hannah's inability to conceive a child took a heavy toll on her. She brought this matter to the Lord over and over and over again through tears. This not only was personally devastating, but it put a strain on her relationship with her husband, Elkanah, as he struggled to figure out how to support her. Hannah persisted in asking God for a child, eventually resolving that she would rather have one and give them completely to God than to not have a child at all. From 1 Samuel 1. Now there's a certain man of Ramathame Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, then Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli. Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than 10 sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. 
And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah, Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Then now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer, the, offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took, up, took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent, lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord from there. Gentlemen and lady, what sticks out from you as something we can learn from this passage? One of the, one of the things that I, that I love about this is that Hannah brought her grief to the Lord in the temple. It's like the Lord, the Lord knew it's like he didn't he didn't really need her to show up in Shiloh to say like to to notice her like the lord the lord knew that um that she was grieving the lord knew her pain the lord knew um the desire the desire of her heart but there's something there's something about the lord's invitation to us to ask that he doesn't just you know see everybody's see the things that makes makes us sad and simply take care of them but Hannah, he allowed Hannah to bring her grief to him. He allowed her to come to Shiloh to ask, to petition, and to actually receive an answer directly from him before the promise to her was fulfilled. Um, I love that, and that's hard at the same time, because it, it'd be a lot easier if it's like, okay, well, as soon as I'm sad about something, the Lord's just gonna, just gonna fix it. And he, he doesn't. And I, I wish I understand the economy of that, of like, you know, why, why some things get, you know, instantly granted others don't. And I, I just, I just don't, that could be a whole other podcast for another day. But, um, but I, I love that Hannah brought it to the Lord rather than she could have just, she could have just kind of kept grieving on her own, but how much, how much courage that would have taken to actually show up in the temple in the presence of the high priest, just wrecked like this like she's she's a hot mess um and yet she she allowed herself to do that i find that really beautiful same um so 
one of the things that really stood out to me was that um, it says in the past that Elkana has this habit, right, of giving double portions <laughs> to this wife whom he loves, which if you're going to have two, you might as well love both of them. Why, why pick favorites? But anyway, um, <laughs> um, it, there's an indication that Hannah actually didn't eat with them. Um, and that's because she knew that that wasn't going to satiate her or solve her problem. And so to your point, Stephanie, about her actually taking that to God, there was no comfort that like earthly or very like carnal things could provide for her. Um, and so she didn't bother eating until after the prayer, until after the interaction with Eli. Um, and that made me think, well, how often do I seek refuge in food or in media or in friendships even, or in distractions, uh, rather than believing that prayer is a place of comfort where God can supernaturally meet with me. Um, so yeah, I, I agreed. Absolutely beautiful. Um, and a real lesson in there. Yeah, and to piggyback off that, I was really stuck on this point too. I think Hannah really teaches there's something to be learned there about um, being authentic in prayer. Like it, it's, I, I like the way you you uh, phrased it, Steph. She was a wreck. She was a hot mess. Uh, the words that my script, my my um, Bible says is, I have lost the passage. I think um, I'm speaking out of my anxiety. And, and vexation out of my great anxiety and vexation. And, and then a little later, we see that Eli answers, says, go in peace, the God of Israel, grant your petition um, you have made to him. And so I just saw this kind of stamp of approval through this passage of coming to prayer with our emotions. Because uh, I feel like sometimes we can be taught, whether directly or indirectly, that we need to be proper when we pray, that we need to have all the right words, that um, we, 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 we have to have our things together. We have to have ourselves together when we come to the Lord. And I've always thought, come to realize that's not the case. And I see, and I was like, ah, here's the proof in the pudding. Here's, here's the scripture passage that points it. It's not just that someone did that, but that the Lord granted the request, even when Hannah was like, you know, probably crying out in, in a very visible way, just uh, distressed. And, and the Lord was pleased with that prayer. Yeah, you've all, like said, so many things uh, that I was thinking. So I'm trying to find a different way to put it. I think that the word that stuck out to me from this, as you all have kind of touched on, is vulnerability. And that's a scary thing. Um, like, I, like, I'm not that vulnerable with many people. It's just kind of a select amount of people who like who have the trust built up that I know I can be honest with them. And I think like you, to your point, Charles, vulnerability before God sometimes we can internalize it as a scary thing. Um, but if there's anything that I think we can take from Hannah here, it's that God not only can handle our vulnerability, even when it's not like, well, even when it's not like well articulated or just like put together and like we're feeling like we're like it's past this he can handle it in its rawest moment and that's a that's a really comforting view of god that that we see here that god isn't deterred by uh i don't know ugly crying or just like being not in our best state um 
but sees us there and meets us there. Like in the gospels, Jesus says, like your heavenly father knows what you have before you ask, but he still encourages us to ask uh, to your point, Steph. Um, and there's something there about knowing that vulnerability is welcomed before God that really gives me a lot of peace and a lot of comfort. Like we have a, a mutual friend, uh, Mike LaCroix, who just got married recently. Uh, one of the things I, I was talking to Mike that I honored him for was the fact that Mike, he is a guy who brings his doubts to the Lord and his questions and sometimes his anger to the Lord. Mike, if you're listening, I, I hope I'm not sharing too much, but he brings his heart before the Lord very genuinely, more genuinely than most people I've ever met. And it's something I really appreciate about him. It's something I really appreciate about Hannah because it shows that like, I trust that God can take this. Like Hannah and going to the Lord in the way she did demonstrates, like, I know that God isn't going to be deterred or like, oh, like, I don't really know what to do here. Or just kind of like put out by my tears, by my anxiety, by the things that I'm feeling. And that's something that I know someone who struggles to be vulnerable sometimes I need to take in and is good for wherever we are uh, in our, our walk with the Lord to recognize about him um, that he welcomes those moments and desires to be near to us in those moments, even if it's not uh, stuff like you said, answering the prayer directly, but just sitting with us in the interim. Um, God is a God of those moments. He is a God of those uh, who it says like, like uh, wants to wipe every tear from our eyes. Um, so yeah, for, for those listening, you can bring your vulnerability to God with confidence that he meets you in the midst of it and won't turn you away, won't be awkward for him, um, and delights in seeing you give so much of your heart to him. So I was reading a, uh, my mom has a book called Women of the Bible. It's by, uh, the last names are Spangler and Siswerda, um, if anyone wants reference for it. But so one of the things that is layered on top of, or one of the things the authors layer on top of Hannah's personal grief is this um, uh, almost cultural spiritual grief. So for a lot of um, devout Jewish women, it not being able to have a child is not only just this personal and cultural issue, it is also um, Israel is without its Messiah still. There is this grieving over the fact that Genesis 3.15 is still not being fulfilled because God promised Eve that it would be through a woman that this seed, this Messiah would be brought to um, mankind, essentially. And so uh, they make the case that uh, there's this added, oh, Lord, it's not, it's not me. And I, I've never thought about that before. And I absolutely, um, I love that for Hannah, that it was, it was more than just a personal grieving. Um, or there's a possibility of it being more than just a personal grieving. Yeah, I, I love that. And, um, you look at the, you look at the genealogy of Christ in, um, in the book of, in the book of Matthew, and you look at, you look at the women who were, who were in there, Hannah, Hannah fits a, the, the type, Hannah kind of fits into a type that repeats through the Bible of a, of a woman who was, um, who was shamed in, in her culture or those around her, or who was seen as deficient or something about her was wrong. And the Lord delights in vindicating, in vindicating those who are, who are ashamed and vindicating those who are, who are oppressed. And, um, so, you know, looking at, you know, looking at Hannah, it's like this woman, this woman who, who care, who, um, 
you know, kind of carried the, the per, like you were talking about, Eli, like the personal shame as well as kind of the shame of where she, kind of what was her role in the story of Israel. It's like, well, clearly not that one. And yet, like, that's that's the woman that the Lord chose to bring one of the greatest prophets of Israel, who then who then went on to anoint uh, anoint King David, who was then himself like the type of the Christ who would come. Um, and looking at looking at the other women in in Jesus's genealogy, it's like who who have we got? We've got Tamar, who had who had her sons by a there's some there's some family drama, and it's a terrible story. <laughs> and, and Tamar is in is in the lineage of Christ, and Ruth she was she was a Moabite. And what was one of the things that Israel that the Israelites were told to do? Don't marry foreign women. She's a foreign woman who's counted in the in the lineage and the line of Christ. Um, Bathsheba. I think we've got. Uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody here. I can't read. I can't skim fast enough when it's a huge list of names. So that's that's on me. But um, but I love I love that this story fits in that lineage of of who God is. Of like God, that God is is the one who loves to vindicate the oppressed. And who brings uh, who brings all things into the story of redemption and all things into the story of Christ? Um, yeah, this woman, this woman who was who was barren, and she was and she was a one of two wives. She wasn't she wasn't the only one, but she was one of she was one of two. And the Lord said, "I want you. Um, I want you who who cannot have children on your own. I want you who bears the shame the shame of your place in the world. Um, watch my victory." watch me work this out, watch me bring you into the story. And, um, and we know her name. Also fun fact, we actually named, we have, we have three boys and the, uh, our oldest name is Samuel and it's, um, partially, partially because of this story. So I, I have some, I have some health stuff that one of the things we were told when we were, um, uh, before we were having kids is that infertility should be part of our story. And so, um, just for all my sisters out there who are struggling with infertility, like I, I don't understand that grief because the Lord, the Lord has not made that part of my story. I remember the fear though of like kind of the fear of going into uh, of, of us wanting to to start our family, and being and being terrified because there were good reasons why this shouldn't happen. Um, and so we we prayed, we prayed for not necessarily a son, but we prayed for a child. And for us, Samuel's birth was. Um, yeah, the, the Lord answered that particular prayer of my husband's and mine. And so we, we gave him, we gave him the name Samuel, um, because, because God hears, um, yeah. Oh, I like, so I, I know your son, I've met him, but until I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Steph's son's name. So <laughs> hey, yes, it is. <laughs> the Easter eggs on this podcast are just tremendous. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much that like, there's the God who hears and like welcomes us in any state, like you said, it's so comforting. And so just like him speaking into things that we can't fully understand, even as we grieve them or, um, are concerned about what they could be, um, that yeah, just speaks to his character. I, I want to touch very briefly on like the last little bit of this passage. I think it's insane, uh, where Hannah spends years praying for a son, uh, has this encounter uh, with Eli, and God gives her a son, and then she's like, all right, I'm going to wean him, and I'm just going to give him back. And just this, like, what? 
like she this is like what her heart desired and like what she was so honest with the lord about like being vulnerable like i want a son and she was like and it wasn't even that like it wasn't that like god even outrightly said this is what you're going to do she just resolved this is what i'm going to do which is nuts to me and there's more i could say on it but i wanted to open the floor but i just think that's incredible <laughs> especially given that like the temple at that point was not really like the dream location to drop off your kid. It's like you, you, you look a couple chap, I think it's just a chapter or two later in first Samuel and, um, and the Lord, the Lord speaks to Eli promising him that his house will end because his sons, because he and his sons have um, pretty much violated just about every promise they made to the temple and to the Lord um and part and part of that is is and part of it too is the public witness of that that everyone knew what Eli's sons were doing to defile the temple and its offerings I that's like that's a part of the story I just I just have a hard time understanding of like as as a mom I have a three-year-old um and so like one of the some people think that around three might have been the age at which Hannah took took Samuel to the temple I have a three-year-old and I have a hard enough time with babysitting sometimes guys like Last night, my husband and I went out with some friends for the first time in a long time. We had a babysitter who is a wonderful person. We love her. We trust her. And it was it was a little hard walking away for, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm imagining, you know, if, yeah, just being, being in Hannah's position and knowing what all of Israel knew about the temple and what Eli and his sons were doing um, with the resources, with the people and just the corruption and the defilement. And that's what an act of faith and trust in the Lord of like, not in the institution of the temple, not in the, not in the, the men who were there serving it, but in saying, I, I trust the Lord so much that I, um, I will fulfill my vow knowing that the odds aren't good um, for, for whatever outcome I might desire as a parent. Um, but Hannah's, Hannah's faithfulness and the Lord, the Lord honored that he, he protected Samuel. Samuel grew up to, to be a man who knew and loved the Lord, became a prophet of Israel, even when the odds were he should not have, <laughs> like that was not the ideal environment in which to raise a prophet. Um, but the Lord, the Lord honored her faith and he honored her trust. And for me, that's, that's deeply reassuring as a parent. It's like, that's not what the Lord has asked me to do. It's like, but like I do look at the world sometimes and I get I get nervous for my kids of like you know what's it you know what am I what am I sending my kids into and and this story part of that reminds me that the Lord's got it because it like I may not be literally dropping off my kids at a temple but but also like what what the Bible teaches me is that my kids are the Lord's like they're always the Lord's whether they're in my possession or not and um they always belong to him. And that I, you know, if Hannah could put her trust in the Lord, that he is going to take care of her son and honor her, honor her sacrifice of obedience, how much more confident should I be able to be that the Lord will do that? If like I have her witness, I have the witness of other mothers and fathers of scripture. And I, uh, and I know who the Bible says the Lord is, that he is faithful and good and just, and he vindicates the oppressed and the suffering. My kids are going to be okay. Thanks. That's encouraging for me <laughs> as a father of two. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that to the light stuff. I'm here for you. Actually, I'm, I'm, let's be honest though. I'm mostly preaching to myself right now. Glad you guys are benefiting from it, but this is for me. 
So I just want to talk about just just when you mentioned the environment stuff, um, my mind immediately went to how cruddy Eli is. And as the self-elected representative of Eli's around the globe. (laughs) We on this again, huh? (laughs) We did talk extensively about Eli Hoffi and Phineas Phineas Stern season three. But Eli, this is your soapbox now. We don't blame him. We don't, we don't claim him. <laughs> How you gonna be a priest and confuse a silent prayer for being drunk? I just, I can't with that man. <laughs> I can't. We don't claim him. He needs to change his name. <laughs> and she just so humbly is like, no, my Lord, I'm not. It's not like that. I just, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I, I can't. Um, I really can't with him, but it's just, to me, that also speaks to, um, the perseverance that Hannah exhibited throughout all of these interactions, because three other people are listed in this chapter. So you have her husband, you have the rival wife, Penina, and then you also have Eli. And none of these people were interacting with with Hannah in a way that was safe or that was comforting. Um, Elkanah had great affection for her, but in verse eight, he asks what I think are just- um, Insensitive. Really inconsiderate and stupid questions. I I highlighted verse eight as like, (laughs) here's a great example of how husbands and how men just do not understand women most of the time. I, I am- up there in terms of like <laughs> i just say some stupid stuff to chelsea sometimes so i can absolutely i'm like i've been elkanah before but reading i'm like really yeah that's what you're going to t- ask her like tell why, her why why do you weep why do you think fool <laughs> why do you like i mean i'm pretty great so <laughs> yeah am i not better than 10 kids it's like you're not a kid you're not my kid. You're fulfilling the role of a husband, but definitely not a child. Leave I like home. to imagine he was like flexing. He's like, I mean, look at all this that I got going on. I'm, I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think on a more serious note, um, to be that level of misunderstood is painful. And to still be able to like bring that to God and be like, Lord, my husband doesn't understand me. I got this rival wife, which let's have a moment to talk about Penina because the the only reason I think that Penina was even tripping over Hannah is simply because of all the affection Elkanah lavished over her. Like when you think about it, when they sacrificed food, Elkanah gave Hannah double portions. And I'm like, well, why are you creating an environment where there's favoritism and competition? Like, I, I just, first of all, marry one woman. If you're listening, listeners, and polygamy is like, I don't know, a temptation maybe, d- don't do it. Don't do it. Marry one woman. Stop it. Knock it off. Have one spouse. <laughs> just in case that's not clear, because things are weird today. And I just want to clarify that. Have one spouse. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Hottest of hot takes. <laughs> Me and I with himself. I hope, to be fair, I hope that's not the first time somebody's hearing that, but maybe it is. <laughs> maybe that's just the word of the gospel to us all today. Right. There it is. Thank you, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You know, it's funny, like, in some ways, this, like, that part of the story is a repeat of a previous story with Leah and Rachel. And 
which is just so fascinating of like the para- the parallels between between them of like you've got another guy who marries two women not a good choice um i don't know maybe you guys do need an episode on polygamy go for it but don't invite me back for that one pick somebody else <laughs> um yeah but lee and rachel and he he favored he favored one wife over the other and she was barren and that just that just sounds like a terrible family to be part of and just so sad of just the the weight of the bitterness and the rage and the grief that that manifested there between between Lee and Rachel and um and then with Jacob as well and then that got passed down through through their family it's like that was that was not a happy family and you know to see and to see that the facts of that certain facts of that story kind of playing out again of like a man who has two wives plays favorites with the with the one who who did not have children but the other one had greater honor in the uh, in the in the eyes of those around her and um hannah responded with graciousness and um or at least forbearance i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna project all the things on on poor hannah but um but at least, but at least with forbearance and taking it to the Lord rather than taking out on on Penina or Penina or however you say it, I don't know. Um, but but ultimately taking it to the Lord and the Lord honoring that that taking it rather than because it could have it could have been the same story over again of of Hannah and, and Penina fighting it out. Yeah, Amen. The grace to take you to not just kind of go tit for tat uh, in this like lineage of favoritism that seemed like with wives and with kids like just strewn throughout the old testament i have a separate soapbox i won't get into on jacob um but yeah to be able to <laughs> is he like mouth he's trash <laughs> he is though he really is um yeah the grace to give that to the lord again speaks to, <laughs> speaks to that vulnerability of like i'm gonna give you my concerns i'm gonna give you my worries and my husband doesn't get it when this random woman is coming at me for it when I'm like dealing and grieving in my own when a priest thinks I'm drunk when I'm just sad I know that you can handle it um and just speaks to like the Lord's ability uh to meet us there I guess the last thing I'll say before we we close is I think Hannah gives us a good view of what discipleship today um looks like lived out in her offering of Samuel back to the Lord and that um, like Psalm 37, 4 says, delight uh, yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that doesn't mean, oh, if you have a relationship with Jesus or if you go to church or are a part of a Christian community, that God will just give you everything you want. Like God's not a genie. Um, but it does mean that in knowing the Lord and knowing him as the God of vindication, uh, as a God who dries tears, as a God who sits with us in our mess, that as we get to know him and as we come to love him more, it becomes our delight to give back to him the things that he has given us. And so whether we're wrestling with, I know in college, I, I wrestled, not really wrestle, just discerns like, am I called to be married or single? Uh, it's now a joy to give back to the Lord. Like I'm called to be a married man and to give my marriage to the Lord for use in his kingdom. It's a joy to give him my vocation. Like God willing, one day it'll be a joy to give him uh, kids, whether biologically or adopted. Um, calm down, Eli. And so, <laughs> and so there's, but there's something there of like it being our joy to give back to the Lord what he has given to us that 
Hannah models so well and not just saying, well, I have this thing, so I'm going to hoard it, but say no to God be the glory, not knowing that she'd be listed in the genealogy of Christ, not knowing, like you said, Steph, that this kid would like survive in this temple that was run by a dude who couldn't even raise his own kids. But like not knowing that she still desired to and was faithful to give back to the Lord um, what he had given her. And I think that as we as disciples consider our own uh, implications of that, it's it's helpful to be mindful of like what is the thing that I'm holding on to? What is the thing that I think is mine and mine alone? And how is the Lord calling me to loosen my grip and not just for the sake of doing it just because, but to enter into the delight of offering freely of that which the Lord has so graciously um, given me. So that's definitely something I'm going to take to prayer in the next couple of weeks here. All right. I think, I think that's us. Steph, thank you so, so much for coming on. This was a ball. It really was. Thank you so much for having me. I, I will continue fangirling on the listening end of this. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's fun to, it's fun to learn about the Lord with you guys and you all, you all are wonderful friends and great brothers in the Lord. And I am just so honored to be here. Amen. Thank you, Steph. You've been great. So we are deeply, deeply honored to have you and we will find a way to have you on again. Don't worry about that. <laughs> just, just tell me when you don't even have to tell me about what in advance. No, that's not true. Actually, there are probably a few things I'd say no to. So just give me a heads up. Like polygamy, not the polygamy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work on my list. But otherwise, I would love to. I would love to. Any excuse I can have to, to spend time with you guys is a good one. Wonderful. Well, we're looking forward to that. Until then, everybody, you can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes on Mondays on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our Jesus in the Movie series and our series on justice. That's all for now. We'll talk to you next week here at the well.